0: Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones.
1: Building in Faith. It's the name of Jesus that heals. It's not the name of some famous evangelist. Or some famous person that's used in the gifts of the Spirit. It's the name that's above every name. The same name that can save you can heal you. The same name that gets you to heaven can get you through earth. The same name that brought salvation to you can restore your health physically. And so as believers, I'd encourage you, keep on praying. Reaching up high with arms open.
0: Changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. Jesus has saved us from a life of eternal punishment because of our sins. We could never be worthy of heaven in our own power, so God has provided us with the opportunity to accept Jesus' free gift of forgiveness to make us worthy. This same Savior who willingly died on a cross for our future wants to also be involved in our life right now. Pastor Ed tells us today that we can communicate with Jesus every moment of every day. Jesus has the power to heal and enough grace and love to cover our lives completely. Now here's Pastor Ed with part two of today's message entitled, Theology of Suffering and Healing.
1: That was an illustration in the Pentecostal Evangel. And this was about a young man by the name of Nathan. The article was back April 17th, the year 2000. Nathan was driving in his parents' convertible. They surmised that he tried to avoid a deer. And as he tried to avoid that deer, he got into an accident. About 45 minutes later, a man by the name of Kevin found him. And he had some medical background and he realized that he desperately needed help they called the doctors they called the ambulance and this young man I want to read to you when he arrived at the hospital he was suffering from a broken leg a spinal cord damage numerous lacerations to his body doctors began treating him and found that he was having trouble breathing due to a collapsed lung they stabilized him they decided to induce a coma through Drugs, so that they could help the healing process he spent four days in that coma and the doctors estimated his chances of survival were 1 to a 100 he had a chance of 1 in 100 of surviving his father began reading him the scripture he turned to John chapter 11 read the story of Lazarus and he kept on saying to his son come forth, come forth, come forth and he said, you've got to fight. You've got to wake up. The next morning, he began to just come around and come out of that coma. And by the afternoon, he was aware of things. Now, his spinal cord had been damaged. And that was a major concern. Nathan had a fracture in the C4 vertebrae in his neck. That was the same as Christopher Reeve. The doctors gave him a protective neck collar to help prevent against any further separation of his vertebrae. He was in immediate danger of becoming either partially paralyzed or fully paralyzed. Nathan would read the Bible at night. It was his habit as a Christian to pray. And everybody was praying for him. One night as he was reading the Bible and praying, he dozed off to sleep, and all of a sudden something snapped inside of him. The doctors were supervising and taking care of him and they were going to take three x-rays the next day just to see the damage of his vertebrae this is what happened the next morning the physicians performed three sets of x-rays to see if the vertebrae were continuing to separate instead the x-rays showed that the vertebrae had fused back together stunning the doctors and the nurses there was no medical explanation God healed and we need to pray for people to be healed God does the supernatural he hasn't changed James saw that it was part of the life of the early church if you read church historians they tell you That anointing with oil, praying over the sick, was a part of church life. They believed that God healed. First century, second century. In fact, William Barclay talks about one book on church administration. And in that church administration, it was talking about presbyters. It says, get presbyters who would have the gift of healing. And they would be used in the church to pray for the sick. As a church... I believe that we should follow the full counsel of God's word. We should endeavor to seek God and say, Lord, if you did it in the book of Acts, if you did it in church history, you can do it today. And so it ought to be something that the church prays about on a continual basis. We ought to say, Lord, we want to see the miraculous done in our midst. Now, how do we pray? We looked at when to pray, how do you pray? In James chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, it says, Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. The first thing, call the elders. Again, the elders were the spiritual leaders. I believe what James was doing was taking the practice that went on in the synagogue because much of the early church copied The service format of the synagogue. Rabbis would pray for the sick. Before they went to the doctor, they would anoint him with oil and they would pray over them. And now in the New Testament church where the gift of healing was operating, where people had faith and believe, they would call for the leadership of the church and they would anoint them with oil and they would pray over them. Now watch the biblical text carefully with me. It says, anoint him or her, With oil in the name of the Lord. It wasn't the oil that healed them. It was a symbol of God's presence. They would anoint them in the name of the Lord. It's the name of Jesus that heals. It's not the name of some famous evangelist. Or some famous person that's used in the gifts of the spirit. It's the name that's above every name. The same name that can save you can heal you. The same name that gets you to heaven can get you through earth. The same name that brought salvation to you can restore your health physically. And so as believers, I'd encourage you, keep on praying, keep on knocking, keep on asking, keep on seeking. Now notice, the prayer offered in faith. Whose faith? It's not the faith of the sick person. It's the faith of the elders. I'm not saying that the sick person shouldn't have faith. But I am saying that the Bible text when it says the prayer offered in faith is referring to the faith of the elders. Sometimes you're flat on your back and you don't hardly have any faith. And you just need someone to have faith for you. And you need someone to come around and believe for you. And so that's what he's referring to. Godly men, godly women, godly leaders who in the time of your need, in the time of your burden, in the time of your sickness will pray over you. Sometimes you have that witness of the Spirit as you're praying for somebody that God is doing a miracle in there. I was there with George and Carrie, and I think about how God spared her life. I believe that the church does not see enough of the supernatural, that God wants us to see more than we are seeing. And as we believe, as we pray, as we fast, as we walk in obedience to God, as we humble ourselves before the Lord, I believe that God will do supernatural things. Look at the Bible text. When in the Gospel of St. Mark, Jesus sent his apostles out. They were his representatives. It says, they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Now, people are still demon oppressed today. You know, with all the stuff that's on the internet, all the stuff that's on television, all the stuff that people are opening themselves up to, there is demonic oppression out there. There really is. And, And you need to walk with God and walk under the blood of Christ. And the Bible text clearly says that they went out and they prayed and they healed. We still need healing, and we still need people to be delivered. In Acts chapter 29, the church was being persecuted. The religious leaders said, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. The believers, the apostles got together, they got on their knees, they began to pray, and this is what they prayed for, because it was a miracle that got them in prison. A man that hadn't walked, hadn't done anything. He was at the gate beautiful for years and years. Was miraculously healed as John and Peter prayed over him in the name of Jesus. That man was healed and he became a witness. And the religious leaders became angry. And this is what they, when they went back to church. This is how they prayed. Now, Lord, consider their threats, the Sanhedrin and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. See what they prayed? Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly and God began to do all sorts of miracles following that prayer God began doing supernatural things if you read the book of Acts and I'll be teaching the book of Acts but as you read the book of Acts you see even Peter's shadow there was a period of time where even Peter's shadow had healing power in it our God still does the supernatural and as a church as believers we have to ask the Lord Lord We want to see the miraculous. Now, we have to have this balance in our life. In order to be balanced, we have to also have a theology of healing that God heals. I've shared with you a number of years ago, I worked with a man that was raised from the dead, Brother Clark. He was a pastor, the first senior pastor that I really served full time under. Brother Clark, when he was a child, is Sister was carrying him down the steps and in those days they had long robes and she tripped over the robe and his head hit the corner post at the bottom of the stairs and immediately began to bleed and broke the skull area and they had a nurse come over and he stopped breathing. Literally stopped breathing. They pronounced him dead. His mother wouldn't accept it. She said, God has a purpose for my son. And she took Clark in her arms and she began to pray and pace over the floor. And they got some other prayer warriors and they began to pray over this child. And all of a sudden, he came back to life. He coughed up, as he told me, some blood and some mucus and some things. And he said he never put a plate in his head. And you could feel that soft spot. He said, That was his faith. That's how he wanted to live. He served in the Second World War. And he was an incredible testimony of the healing power of God. And he died in his 70s, mid-70s. He went home to be with the Lord. God heals people. And we need to pray, Lord, let's see your power to heal. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. How he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. The anointing that happened on Jesus on his baptism also happened to the church on the day of Pentecost. This was an anointing that the church would continue to do the works of Jesus. That we would see people restored physically, spiritually, emotionally. We would see the miraculous done. Now, he tells us how to pray. He says, call for the elders of the church. They're to come. And they're, in a sense, to be prepared. It's an awesome thing to be a leader in the church. And those leaders have the responsibility to pray, to fast, to prepare their hearts as people come with physical needs and spiritual needs. But it says something else. There's a time of personal examination and confession. Look at verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. What do we do? Well, we call the elders of the church. And then we search our hearts. Lord, do I have a bad attitude towards anybody? Am I holding a grudge towards anybody Is there known sin in my life that I haven't repented of, that I'm holding on to? God, is there something in my life that isn't right with you? Because sin can keep people sick. Sin is not always the cause of sickness, but sometimes it is. Let me say that again. Sin is not always a reason for sickness, because a person's sick doesn't mean they have sin. But sometimes... Because of sin, a person suffers physically. And that's what James is saying. Now, this confession, I believe, should be to somebody spiritually mature like the eldership. And sometimes we need to go to a person individually. If you sinned against somebody, you may have to confess your sin to them. Now, let me qualify that. Let's say you've thought some thoughts. "Eh, This person is terrible, they're miserable, I don't like them, and etc., etc., And then you find out you're wrong, you know what I mean? The Holy Spirit convicts you, and so you go up to them in church. I just wanted to know how I've thought about you for years. I've thought you're terrible, you're miserable, you're the worst person around. But I was wrong, just wanted you to know that. I've forgiven you. You don't want to do that, you know. If it's in your heart, confess it privately to God. Now, if you were unkind to somebody, and and you just hurt them, and you said things to them that hurt them, then go and apologize to them. That's when you go personally to somebody and confess those sins. Uh, Private sins should be done privately to God. Sins against a brother or sister where you've hurt them in a a contact with them in some way, uh, then make things right with them. Ask their forgiveness and apologize to them. Uh, But be wise in doing that. Be wise in who you speak to. You know, I think the worst sin... In the Protestant church, is the grapevine. I mean that. People get on the phone. Oh, I just have a prayer request. Let's pray for so and so. Let me tell you about their needs. You know what they do? And they go in this long, long description. Give me a break. That's gossip. That's gossip. Don't do that. That's sin. Don't use your tongue to gossip. And James talks a lot about that. Use your tongue to pray for people or to praise God. That's the proper use of our tongue. And so James says, confess your sins to be able, sometimes you can't get past something. Something just bothers you. You know, and maybe it's in your heart, something that did, something happened. Well, go to a pastor, go to an elder. If that just seems to trouble you. And confess to that person. And they'll keep that in confidence. And if someone shares something with you. Keep their confidence. Please do that. So he talks about the need for confession. Saturday morning I believe it was. NBC ran a segment on online confession. And part of that segment They talked about a church called LifeChurch.tv. And LifeChurch.tv recognized that a lot of people don't go to church, but yet they need to confess their sins. So it had an online confession. And there were 150,000 hits. Now only 1,500 gave their confession, but I don't know what the other 150,000 wanted, but... 1,500 made their confession online. They recognized this need for us to confess. And NBC News quoted this passage of Scripture in James where it says, Confess our sins to one another. And so we do need times where we confess. Now the last and final point, and I'll briefly do this. I'll just mention it. Why pray? Why pray? Look at verse 15. It brings results. It brings results. What does the Bible say? Clearly, the sick person will become well. God makes sick people well. He does that. He is the great physician. He is the great healer. I thank God for the medical profession. I thank God for our nurses, our doctors. We need them. I thank God for them. And many Christians, as they're working on their patients, they pray over them. And they're very conscientious. But the Bible also says that we are to pray. A sick person will become well. And what will happen? The Lord will raise them up. Not the elder. Not themselves. It's God that does the healing. It's not a person that can do the healing. Someone came up to me after the morning service. And they said, Pastor, you mean all you have to do is confess it enough? No. That doesn't do it. You can confess all day long, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed. That's not what the Bible's talking about. Because the devil can quote Scripture. An unbeliever can quote Scripture. What it is, and what I believe James is referring to, is people who are in communion with God, in deep relationship with God, who the anointing of the Spirit is resting upon them, and that anointing of the oil symbolizes that, and maybe they're using the gifts of healing, but as people pray in faith... And God gives you a Rhema word. Let me say that again. And God gives you a Rhema word. Where all of a sudden you are quickened and you give a person a word and you know it's the spirit of God, it's not your spirit. It's not you just making up something, saying, I'm going to think and work myself into a frenzy and believe, believe, believe. No, no, no. It's the Spirit of God upon a person, anointing them, using them, quickening them. And that has to be a real clear distinction because I believe it's led many people astray. And then it says, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. God sees, he knows the hearts, and sometimes. We bring things on ourselves. Disobedience to God. And a person gets ill. It talks about that in 1 Corinthians. Where people didn't come to the table of the Lord correctly. Now lastly, and I'll just mention this. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. James lived the life. James lived the life. Take this book and live it. When you live righteously. You control this tongue. You're concerned about the poor and needy. You're not greedy. And you're out to live a life of faith that works. And you're really living out your faith. And you're righteous. I mean, you're compassionate, concerned about justice, concerned about righteousness. That prayer that you utter is powerful. It's dynamite. It has impact. And so we ought to be concerned about how we live. Now, it's not that we stand before God in our righteousness and say, Oh, God, I did good this week, so now you got to hear me. No, it's never that way. But if you're living in obedience and communion with God and the Holy Spirit is in communion with you, there's an inborn confidence that the Holy Spirit produces in your heart. And you could pray with confidence over people. And so we're encouraged to pray and to believe. And the prayer of a righteous man, it's going to have a powerful impact. There's a verse of scripture that I'd like to blaze, as it were, into your heart and into your spirit. It's the New Living Translation Psalm 30, verse 2. Oh, Lord my God, I cried to you for help and you restored my health. Don't stop crying. Don't stop asking. Don't stop requesting. God is a healer. And let's not stop, but let's pray for others. Not only for ourselves, but if there's a brother, there's a sister, there's someone in need, we ought to pray.
0: In what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? These words from the book of James could lead one to believe that we must earn our salvation by good works. Pastor Ed will tackle this difficult subject and more as he teaches through the book of James. We'll learn that works are the result of faith, not the other way around. Although building in faith is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for Worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For service times, driving directions, and more information, Log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Edward Jones. Please join us next time as Pastor Ed continues teaching through his series, Through the Book of James, right here on Building in Faith. Everybody wins when a leader gets better absolutely everyone the stakes of leadership are sky high everyone has influence come to the global leadership summit on august 10th and 11th and learn skills to help you lead transformation in your community the summit features leaders like bill hybels cheryl sandberg andy stanley and more experience the summit at faith assembly casperkill campus poughkeepsie august 10 and 11 register at willowcreek.com summit and use the priority code radio willowcreek.com summit